The Last Word with Matt Cooper. For the Culture Club today, we're delighted to be joined by a rising star of Irish music. Megan O'Neill is with us now. I want to be sure that I don't miscategorise you because it'd be wrong just to describe you as a country singer, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Would you take, take offence to that, would you? No, 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 not at all. But I think I, I kind of started off doing that stuff and now it's it's moulded into more of a singer-songwriter, folky vibe. But and, I, and Before we get into the choices, tell us a little bit about that journey because you did spend time in Nashville, didn't you? Which is why I brought up ah, the country yeah. reference. Oh, sure, listen. <laughs> no, I, like, I grew up listening to a lot of country, a lot of old American country, which I just would still absolutely adore. And I really wanted to learn how to write songs. And when I kind of, I've, I went to UCD and I did, you know, um, got my, as my dad would have said, my real degree. In what? In psychology. Okay. And then I went and I, I was just like, right, you know, this is it. I want to go, I want to really learn how to write songs. And where do I feel like is the best place in the world that I can do that? And that was Nashville. So I spent some time there just. Like, How did it work out for you? It was amazing. It was a real uh, shock to the system in terms of, it was very humbling. Like you got there and you, like coming from, say, growing up, I would have gotten the parts I wanted to get if I was doing musicals. Right? This is a home and kill there. Yeah, you know, and you would have kind of felt confident enough in your abilities. And then you got there and you were like, wow, I know nothing. <laughs> in a great way, you know, and it made you like become a sponge and really learn. And did you head off on your own? Yeah. At what age? Twenty-one. Okay. Yeah, it was. And any support? Did you know people in Nashville? I knew one person that knew one person, <laughs> and that was basically it. I knew nothing about. Like I went there. It's so funny the things that you're confident enough to do when you're younger. You know, what did you do? Did you start going to pubs and saying, can I play here? Or did you start going to recording studios and knocking your door? What did you do? I'm trying to recall now. What did I do? <laughs> I know. I, the, the person that I knew here that knew one person in Nashville, yeah. they were both very well connected, which was really, really fortunate for me. So I was in Nashville about three or four days and I ended up at a kind of a dinner party and I was surrounded by some of the most influential incredible songwriters in the city. So from there that kind of spiralled and you got to know people and they were like, oh, she's, you know, she's young and she's Irish and let's give her a little bit of a dig out, you know. And they were amazing at just bringing me into different rooms and giving me opportunities. And I think that's an amazing thing that certainly at the time, I know Nashville's changed a lot since it's gotten a lot bigger and um, with the, you know, introduction of the TV show and a lot of kind of financial companies to the city. The city's changed a lot, but certainly then it was... Hang on, it's not that long ago since you were over there. <laughs> well, it's not that long ago, but it feels like a very long time. Um, but, you know, people were really welcoming. They really wanted to give you a chance. I'm mentioning the TV show Nashville. One of your songs was picked up and used in it, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was when I was over there, which was amazing. Um, that was in 2012, yeah, season three. Okay, but then you left Nashville and went to London. I did, yeah. Why? Um, I to, well, one of the one of the reasons was I really missed home, and I, you know, I felt like Nashville was just really far away, um, and I would I wanted to be closer that I could nip home for a weekend if I wanted to. So London felt like a good option. Also, I was doing 
a lot of writing while I was in Nashville in that kind of country Americana scene. And I wanted to explore different styles and work with different people. And London offers a lot um, more in terms of genre there, I think. Or it did at the time for me. So, And it allowed you to record, and again, more music used than television. Well, television's the wrong expression for Netflix. On streaming, you were used in the opening scene of Firefly Lane. Yeah, that was a few years ago. Yeah, that was amazing. And with all these things you kind of get the call. That's yeah. like, hey, can you do this song for this TV show? And it's when you're um, writing to brief, which is what we would kind of call it, you're working to a song for a specific function. It's like it needs to be this many minutes long and this kind of tempo and da-da-da. But it's a lottery, so you chuck, it, chuck the song in and you're like, we'll see what happens. But uh, they absolutely loved it and they, they picked that for the opening scene. And it was... A weird time because it was right at kind of was it the beginning of COVID or it was sometime during COVID anyway. So there would have been a lot more kind of being able to celebrate it in in the real world, but we were doing that all in in our own homes, you know. You're back in Ireland now. Back in Ireland now, but using it as a base for international travel because you have albums and you've got performances, a lot of performances in the United States in particular. Yeah, like I would travel a lot for gigs and, you know, but I, I think since coming home, I'm I'm really settled here. I'm really happy here. And, you know, I love going away and I love playing gigs abroad, but I just love being home. <laughs> I'm becoming more of a home bird, I think. Let's get to your culture club choices. And... We, you're too young to have a single to be the first thing you've ever bought. This is a question we put in maybe for the older members of the <laughs> Culture Club. So what's the first bit of music that you got really hooked and addicted on that you can think of? The one that I probably remember the best is the Dixie Chicks album, Home. And I was maybe 10 or 11 at the time. And I think, you know, I went into some record shop and I just picked up like you did, you kind of picked up a few that you like the look of and this was one of them that um, I got and I just played it to death, like I think everyone else around me was so sick of the album by the end because the, the, like I wore out the CD that was, you know And what was so good about <laughs> the Dixie Chicks? And how influential were they for the way that you then developed your own musical career? Yeah, probably very influential um, strong female characters and really kind of, I know I know they didn't um, write all of their own music, but they certainly wrote a lot of music as well and just really full of character and full of gusto and, you know, really, really strong female presence. Of course, no one now as the Chicks, mm. as they've dropped the Dixie yeah. from the title. But this is when they were the Dixie Chicks. And uh, this is from the album Home, which is 2002, Travelling Soldier. Two days past 18, he was waiting for the bus in his army green. Sat down in a booth in a cafe there, gave his order to a girl with a bow in her hair. He's a little shy, so she give him a smile And he said, would you mind sitting down for a while And talking to me, I'm feeling a little alone She said, I'm off in an hour and I know where we can go 
I haven't listened to it now in a, in a good while. It's good music. It's great, yeah. It's such good, like some of their stuff is just absolutely amazing. And that song as well, I remember singing it for something, some gig years ago and realising, wow, there is absolutely no space in this song to take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes a lot of uh, technical work as well. <laughs> it's always very difficult to ask singers to nominate a favourite album because you'll have so many of them. But you have picked one and you're not the first person here in the Culture Club to have gone for Joni Mitchell's album Blue. Why did you pick it? Oh, so many reasons. It's one of those albums that when I started to kind of, I suppose, really get into music and really listen to the lyrics and really be inspired to to write my own as well, that I just was so drawn to this record. And the more that I've grown as a person, I think the record has grown with me. Do you know, it's the... the you see more in it, too. I you? see more in it, yeah, all the time. And I, you know, things that... I wouldn't have I wouldn't have noticed in the lyrics ten years ago or five years ago. I'm now like, oh my god! And when the more that you kind of read into the backstory of some of the songs, and there's just yeah, there's so much power in and her, her voice. Oh my god! And her playing and her production, and that's one of the things recently enough that I've started producing my own music that I now have a whole new appreciation for her having written and produced this by herself. Let's hear from Blue, California. Sitting in a park in Paris, France Reading the news and it sure looks bad They won't give peace a chance There was just a dream some of us had Just a lot of lines to see But I wouldn't want to stay here It's too old and cold and settled in its ways here Kiss a sunset pig California, I'm coming home I met a redneck on a Grecian isle Who did the goat dance very well He gave me back my smile Maybe it's that migration from country music, hippie music. Yeah. <laughs> Not too far removed. <laughs> Not too far removed. Okay. Uh, Favourite band or artist? Again, very hard to choose. But tell us about the selection you made, which is very contemporary. So I selected Boy Genius, which um, is a super group. Oh, we've had this debate on oh, this programme in our musical spot with John Cadell and D-Ready. He doesn't think three people coming together constitutes a super group. Uh, okay, we'll leave that part out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it's made up of Phoebe Bridgers, um, Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus. And I had been a big fan of both Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus separately. And I didn't, I hadn't really heard of Boy Genius up until probably about a year ago but again like I've, I've re- I realise I'm just picking all, all women here <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that yeah, But a very very powerful you know trio and 
just all amazing musicians, amazing songwriters. And they were all big fans of each other before they kind of got together and started collaborating, which I think is such a lovely kind of where they've come from. It's really nice. This actually was one of our albums of the year on The Last Word. This is by Born Genius. This is not strong enough. Supergroup of super music from Boy Genius, not strong enough from the album, the record. And just to give the men a mention, I understand you are a big fan of Hosier's new album as well. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Particularly the song he does with Brandy Carlisle on there. I just, I think I've listened to that on repeat for the last few weeks. <laughs> what about best gig? Oh, it's so hard to choose. It's like playing gigs yourself, you know, they're all, there's so many different sizes of rooms and rooms you're playing in and, and vibes you're getting but I was at a festival in London um, when I was still living over there a few years ago and I had just gotten into the war on drugs I can't remember what year it was but maybe 17? That was when they really hit it big mm. under pressure in particular. Yeah, yeah and I was just like who are these guys? This, this is just amazing and they were playing this festival in the middle of the day sun shining Everyone happy out, and they just blew my socks off. Absolutely incredible live. Let's hear the Warren Drugs performing Red Eyes. Drugs and Red Eyes is from the same album as Under the Pressure, which is from 2014, Lost in the Dream, but then they had a deeper understanding in 2017 as well. Great band, great choices. But we're going to get off the music when we come back after the break. Megan O'Neill is with us for the Culture Club and we've lots of other great things to talk about. Welcome back. Megan O'Neill is with us for the Culture Club. I understand you're heading off on tour soon, but you are playing in Newbridge and Kildare first. Valentine's night, is it? I've actually, unfortunately, had to pull the whole shebang. Oh. I know. Um, only the other day, but it's because I'm 
pregnant. That's as good a reason <laughs> as I've heard. And Congratulations. Thank you so much. And by then I'll actually be pretty. I'm not sure I'll even be able to fit my arms around the guitar. You probably wouldn't be allowed to fly. I, well, that's that's the reason. Okay. So I was due to go over to the UK for a full week and everything planned and I was so excited for it because I haven't been over to the UK for a f- proper run since 2021. Um, but I spoke to the, you know, everyone involved um, and midwives and all that and they were like, we really can't let you fly and you, sure you can't travel without a letter so I'm physically stranded <laughs> so we're going to uh, we're going to hopefully reschedule those for later in the year Okay well that means you're going to have time certainly in the build up before the baby's born to watch lots of movies and read lots of books Oh yeah. whereas you won't have time probably afterwards <laughs> uh, so let's go through some of those favourite movie or actor or director so, You're not a big movies person, I believe, or you haven't been until recently. I ha- yeah, so, like, I think in my family, movies were not... We, it just wasn't a thing that we all kind of got into this, um, the pop culture references. And my other half is always slagging me because I literally know nothing about all these movies. And, you know, we're watching... Terminator for the first time and he's like how do you not know all these references? Sorry, you're watching it for I'm the first sorry. time. He has definitely <laughs> watched it previously. He's watched it about 15 times. Um, so my, yeah, my choices in TV and movie are t- shocking, like embarrassing. But <laughs> I picked for this Harry Potter just because it's my complete comfort series of like every Christmas and we're just over that period. Every Christmas I just love sitting down and watching all the Harry Potters and I think it's one of those things as well you know it brings you back to this really safe comfortable time in your life so for me that that series Yeah you're of an age you'd have grown up with the Harry Potter movies Yeah they all kind of came out the same I was the same age as the characters at the same time so I was raging that I wasn't cast as Hermione Granger because I just (laughs) feel like (laughs) I would have done a fabulous job but uh but yeah, I, I love all of those movies and all of those books. Okay, we have a clip from Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which, if memory serves correctly, is the very first book and movie. And in this clip, Harry, Ron and Hermione stumble across a three-headed dog hidden in Hogwarts. Watch is gone. We think this door's locked. It was locked. And for good reason. something. That's right. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe sound just so young. I mean, they are children. Oh, so young. 
Yeah. Because that is over 20 years old now at this stage. I know, it's mad. But it never gets old for me. And I have Stephen Fry on my Audible who reads all the audiobooks yeah. when I can't sleep. <laughs> so I'd say I know most of it off by heart by now. Okay, but you are big as well. If you're not big into movies, you are big into plays and particularly musicals and theatre shows. Mm. So what have you picked out for us here? Waitress. What's that? So it's a musical about this amazing woman who bakes pies and her and it's all that I mean that doesn't sound like a great <laughs> a great place to start from but it's you know everyone in the cafe and the customers that come in and she's in a relationship that's not great and she's trying to kind of come out of herself um and the music for it is written by Sarah Bareilles who I'm a huge huge fan of and there's just so many gorgeous songs in the, in the musical and um yeah, it's well worth going to see. I think it's either was in Ireland recently or is coming to Ireland. Where did you see it? I saw it on the West End and actually I was lucky enough, Sarah Brellis was playing the main character in it when I saw it, which I think she does the odd time, like every few years. And oh, it was just an amazing experience. Okay, well here she is performing, opening up in the musical Waitress. What's the special pie today? Deep shit blueberry bacon. Deep shit? Deep dish. Sorry, cow. The day starts like the rest we've seen. Another carbon copy of an old routine. Days keep coming. One out, one in. They keep coming. Make that coffee strong enough to chew. Don't know what I wish I had, but there's no time now for thinking things like that. We got too much to do, too much to do. All these Sarah Bareilles. Sarah Bareilles performing opening up in the musical Waitress. You, I think your musical formation was a lot about sort of school plays and things like that, performing, that was important to you? Yeah, it was. I did a lot, tons and tons of musicals growing up and always just loved the, you know, the characters involved and stories involved and stepping into someone else's shoes. And yeah, I did, did a lot of them up until my kind of late teens. You might get back to them, would you? You never know. <laughs> okay, do you read much? I do, yeah, yeah. And I've, what do you like reading? I've recently just finished a couple of great books because I was away and I always find it easier when you've removed all the work and all the stuff at home. Um, but I love autobiographies and I love kind of real life events. Um, so one of the ones that I picked was... Well, actually, two of the ones that I that I had mentioned to you were both called Born to Run. <laughs> one of them is the obvious one, is a Bruce Springsteen's autobiography. Yeah, which was an amazing read. Very honest, yeah. and particularly about his struggles that you wouldn't have expected with mental health. Absolutely, and I think that's the thing, is like, you kind of, it's it's always the case with people who you look at from the outside and you think, how could they ever be unhappy and they have everything that you think you could want? But we're all human at the end of the day. 
But then what's about the other Born to Run? Who's that by and what's it about? So this one's by Christopher McDougall and it's, I read it, I, I used to run a lot, a lot and do a lot of long distance running. So I kind of was like, okay, what books can I read to motivate me further? <laughs> and one of them was his Born to Run. And he himself was a runner, but just always getting injured. So he basically went on this quest to try and find why that was the case and whether, you know, because there were all these ultra runners basically around the world who never kind of got the same issues. And one of them were this tribe, the Tarahumara tribe in Mexico, and they're an insane bunch of people to read about. Amazing and fascinating. Um, and some of the best runners in the world, maybe the best runners in the world. I'm sure there are lots of people in Africa who probably debate that <laughs> given their Olympic success. This is an extract from the audiobook Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. Some said Caballo Blanco was a fugitive. Others heard he was a boxer who'd run off to punish himself after beating a man to death in the ring. No one knew his name or age or where he was from. He was like some Old West gunslinger whose only traces were tall tales and a whiff of cigarillo smoke. Descriptions and sightings were all over the map. Villagers who lived impossible distances apart swore they'd seen him traveling on foot on the same day and described him on a scale that swung wildly from funny and simpatico to freaky and gigantic. But in all versions of the Caballo Blanco legend, certain basic details were always the same. He'd come to Mexico years ago and trekked deep into the wild, impenetrable Barrancas del Cobre, the Copper Canyons, to live among the Tarahumara, a near-mythical tribe of Stone Age superathletes. The Tarahumara, pronounced Spanish style by swallowing the H, Tarahumara, may be the healthiest and most serene people on earth and the greatest runners of all time. Serene runners. Okay, mm. that's Christopher McDougall's book, Born to Run. So television, do you watch much television? Yeah. I mean, how could you not at the moment? There's so many great series. <laughs> and what did you grow up watching? Grew up watching a lot of Friends, Home and Away, naturally. You know, always on when you come home from school. Uh, the Simpsons, you know, all the usuals. <laughs> and I believe you've rewatched all of Friends again recently. Yeah, it was one of the it was one of the pandemic watches. Do you know, it was one. And of did those. it live up to what how you remembered it? Did it was it still as funny for you and did it catch your mood yeah but I think it was very much a nostalgic hug more than anything else um, the same way that I would have would say the kind of same thing about Harry Potter it's like brings you back to this time in your life when you have no responsibility <laughs> and what about current TV what sort of things are your favourites now recently that I've watched I loved White Lotus both series were great fun. Oh God, so good. And the second one as well, so many twists and turns was just brilliant. Um, Stranger Things and The Crown, I've just watched, just finished the new... Season six. Season six, yeah. The yeah. final season, yeah. as it is. Has it lived up to the expectations you might have had because of the earlier seasons? Yeah, I actually thought season six was one of the better ones. It's interesting because I thought it was better than all the critics were actually saying, certainly the first half of it. Let's have a little bit of Dominic West playing Prince Charles. Although, isn't Dominic West actually probably too good looking to be Prince Charles? A little bit. Yeah, (laughs) and Ed McVeigh (laughs) as Prince William discussing Princess Diana's death in a scene from Series 6 of The Crown. 
Let us be quite clear. Your mother's death was a terrible tragedy caused by one irresponsible man drinking too much and then getting behind the wheel of a car and driving too fast to escape from photographers, which you and I both know she often encouraged. But the fact that she was in Paris? Her choice. With that man, those people? Again, her choice. Without any royal protection? That was not my doing. I always said she needed police protection. But she should never have been anywhere near the fireheads. She should have been safe with us, and the fact that she wasn't is your fault. And no, you, you didn't actually drive the car, but you drove her into the arms of those that did. By making her so unhappy. By loving someone else. Well, I mean, if you want to make that connection, then that's your right. But I find it very upsetting and deeply unkind. My responsibility for Mummy ended a long time before she got to Paris. That accident was not in any way my fault. And to even suggest it was is, is outrageous. Is it? Yes. I resent the accusation. Good drama, that. Mm. I actually think that last season, maybe the reason I liked it so much, is because I felt more for each of the characters. I didn't feel like they were as... Remote? Yeah. Historical figures, the others perhaps, yeah. Yeah. I felt like they were, they all of the kind of honesty came across a little bit more. Elizabeth Debicki was great as mm. Diana. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. We're coming towards the end. What we ask everybody to do at the end is just to pick something which we call a buried treasure that you think people should know more about. And you've gone for something very different to everybody else. Tell us about your selection. So my buried treasure is actually my mum. And she is an incredible painter and artist. And... You know, we've just grown up with her stuff all around the house all the time. You're kind of oblivious to, to even how good it is. And you Where know, does she do her painting? All at home. And it's just beautiful. She does a lot of forest landscapes and Irish landscapes. And then she does some, she, you know, branches out and does abstract art here or there. And it's just so beautiful. So we've recently moved into our own house and we have her, you know, a couple of her paintings all over the place on the walls and it's just, you know, such an inspiration. I don't have the patience at all <laughs> when it comes to painting. Oh, but hold on, surely you need the patience when you're writing songs in the same way as when you're doing a painting. When you're creating something, it takes time and thought. Yeah, but I, I don't, for me, I don't think about writing music in that way. Like, it's very fluid. Whereas with painting... I don't know. I just, I, I get very frustrated with myself probably because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> but she is What's outstanding. What's her name? Anya O'Neill. Okay. Does she sell her work? She does. Not not to too many people, only to, you know, the select lucky few. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Megan O'Neill's work, albums such as, uh, what is the uh, Getting Comfortable With Uncertainty? And what else have you done? You have a new single at the moment, haven't you? All Those Yesterdays. All Those Yesterdays, yeah. That came out just before Christmas. And I have another one coming very soon called The Hard Way as well. Okay. Megan O'Neill, it's been great having you here at the Culture Club. Thank you so much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.